Hello, everybody. Today, we're with Steve P. Young, founder at AppMaster.com. I've actually met Steve a few years back when I was in his Facebook group on app monetization. And I always found that he had some great advice. And so when I started this podcast, I was like, I have to bring him on and get his perspective. Welcome, Steve. Do you want to tell us a bit more about you? Yeah. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Look at this. I think this is the podcast that's going to really help me propel the other Steve Young. So I can drop the P. Yeah. Yeah, I can just be Steve Young. <laughs> but thanks for I, helping him. What's that? Thanks for helping him. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been in the app space since 2011, really started building apps. So I taught myself how to code and I'm more of a marketing guy. I yeah. majored in business, minored in computer science. So I have some technical skills. I need some like nerd street cred there. But I taught myself how to code, launched my very first app, just coding on BART, if you guys are familiar with the Bay Area. And that did pretty well. So I was getting thousands of downloads a day, no revenues because it was absolutely free. But that's when the app stores were super easy. You launch an app and Apple is already giving you tons of downloads. Started really getting addicted to it. So I was like, all right, launching more and more apps. Started making about 500 to 1,000 bucks a month. Great money to go on a Hawaii trip, but nothing to live off of. And Olivier, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I didn't know what that journey would look like, but... Fast forward to 2013, I was like, you know what? It's 33 at the time. I was like, I, I gotta, I wanna become an entrepreneur. I gotta do something soon. And so I was like, you know what? Let me launch a podcast. I've always wanted to do a podcast, but I didn't wanna do a one on just generic business because I felt like even at, back then, 2013, I was like, it's too crowded. And so I was like, you know what? It hit me one day. I was like, duh, I make apps. Apps are growing still. Why don't I just do one on apps? And so I did it and I launched that and started interviewing some of my heroes in the app space. So interviewed the founder of Clear, TweetBot. I had the first CEO and co-founder of Shazam on. And that was like my big guest I had in the first year and started building up an audience who then started coming to me for marketing help. So six months, I started in May 5th, 2013. And six months after starting the podcast, I ended up putting my notice in and leaving my startup nice. job that I have in San Francisco to pursue this full time. And it's been a crazy journey, but what we're known for in the space is normally our ASO strategies. And in 2019, I made a shift to talk more about conversion rate optimization and monetization and product. And so did that. So now we're really known for some of those other strategies too. And we have a lot of case studies that we can get into if you like as well, but that's what we're known for. And check out the YouTube channel. Nice. That YouTube channel is growing. So we got 20,000 plus awesome. subscribers on YouTube. Nice. You know, one thing that I really like is that you took the smart approach to starting your own business, as in you started on the side and then once it was, you know, going and you saw you kind of had some traction, then you put your notice. I did the stupid version where I'm like, I quit and then I start my business and the, the road was tough. <laughs> Olivia, I did that too. Okay. <laughs> What's the first time oh, I quit? You did that. <laughs> <laughs> I quit back in like 2011 or time frame. Oh, no, no, no. It was 2009. Yeah. And then I was like, oh man, ate up all the money Long that we had in savings and then had to find another job really fast. So this time I was like, you know, I think the one thing I did do correctly, if I did anything correctly, was I built an audience first versus just thinking, yeah. trying to build a business first. I built an audience first mm -hmm. and they told me what they wanted to see from me. And so that helped out a lot more the second time around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the things that I really like about all the content that you publish around monetization and everything else that you talk about is that you talk about case studies and you have data for every advice that, or at least most of the advice that you give. What drove you there? You know, so my boss, old boss told me this. He's like, hey, if you want us to do something, have some data. Because if we're going off of opinions, we're going with mine because I'm the boss. 
And so for me, like, I love, there was this website called Witch Test One. They no longer exist, but they're like, hey, you get to guess. And then they tell you like, which one drove this much by this much. And so when I, even that saying has always stuck with me. So even if I'm, before I had all these case studies, when I'm talking to clients, I'm always saying that, hey, this is just my opinion. And I want you to notice the difference between opinion versus something that I actually have data for. So in the beginning, it was just my opinion that longer pricing pages on mobile would outperform short ones because it was based off of it outperforming on the web. So I was like, it's my opinion for now, but I do know, and I have some stats to say, this is why I feel that, like I feel strongly about my opinion. And then now I turn into a case study where I'm like, all right, here are all the different types of pricing pages that have gone to 4X, 17x, you know, 12x their revenues because now then I have the data. So sometimes it starts off as an opinion and obviously then becomes with data too. But I always want to have data-backed advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that good practice. I'm definitely not there, but it's great to hear somebody that's actually doing it. What are some of the most counterintuitive advice that you give to help monetize an app with all that data that you've accrued? Well, so the first one that's super counterintuitive is you want to show your pricing page, the page that people are going to use to pay you money during the welcome flow or onboarding process. Super counterintuitive. You think that you want to just like we kind of do ease the user in. Hey, check out my YouTube channel. Check out our content. And then, you know, after you consume the few things, maybe you want to pay us Mm -hmm. that thing, right? So, but it's counterintuitive because with the app stuff, most people have done some research. They search in the app store. They say a Facebook ad. We see about 50, anywhere from 50, sometimes as high as 90, but let's say 50 to 70% of all your in-app purchases. So of all the people who end up buying are going to come through this welcome flow, 50 to 70%. Yep. And that's because I said, hey guys, it does work. We've seen it double the conversions. I didn't have any data. And then because we have an audience, somebody was like, you know what, Steve, I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to track it. And then they came on and said, hey, I tracked it. Steve, you were right. I got about 60% of all buyers came through the onboarding. So now I have some real data and then other clients are reporting 70, other clients are reporting 90. So that's why you share something, then you have an audience who then can come back and be like, help you. So it's a nice little community that we built there, but that's the the counterintuitive. Oh, the other counterintuitive thing, Olivier, because probably your audience is more developers. So you know how these like push notifications, we try to say, hey, do you want to enable it? Now, I was absolutely wrong about this. So I said double opt-in, right? Because I always say no. I always say no. Make it pretty. Justify. Yep. Right? You're like, hey, do you want to justify it first and let them hit enable and then show the thing? So somebody within our audience did a test. See if I listened to you and you were wrong. (laughs) Actually, he saw more opt-in. He saw 4X more opt-in by just showing the default iOS push notification prompt versus the double opt-in. And so those are those counterintuitive things that like you got to have. And obviously the longer pricing pages, people think that nobody wants to scroll a longer pricing pages. So it's just like consistent scroll like you would do on Instagram or Facebook, consistently scrolling. But what I found on the web is most people read what they want to read. And so the one time that you'll get their attention is when their wallet is out, Olivia, and they, they got to pay you something, right? It's That's why it's like <laughs> the best feedback you can get is from paying customers because they got their wallet out. They know exactly, not these freebies that come by and like, oh, you should do this. No, it's these paying customers. So these longer pricing pages, you want to tell them, like overcome all the objections, tell them exactly what they're getting instead of just being like, hey, you know, go for plus and then here's what you get. You know, maybe there's some like bullet points on what you get and that's it. And then you, you want to pay? Like, no, we don't make those type of decisions when we're about to pay. We want to really feel good about a product before we end up paying. So longer pricing pages are outperforming the shorter ones. Interesting. Cool. 
Last time we talked, one thing that struck me is you said that if you want to increase your revenue, trying to get more downloads is not necessarily the right way to go. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah. So I thought at the time, again, back to your question about how, you know, you always bet data back. So one client we mm -hmm. worked with, we, he was getting 50 downloads a day and he's making a dollar a day. And I was like, hey, mm -hmm. let's fix the product. This is when we were just trying to get better at product monetization, all that stuff. So I was trying to do things free or cheap, just be like, hey, can I help you? Right. Can I help you with this? It wasn't part of our services, but I was like, let's, let's try it because yeah. nobody's talking about it. And so we fixed the product and I gave him some suggestions on what to fix. And he launched the new one. Downloads were flat and he saw immediately he went from a dollar a day to $17 a day, right? Like immediately. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And it was really cool because he, he built this app. He was just doing it on the side. And eventually we ran some other campaigns and he was able to get mm -hmm. it to a hundred bucks a day. Right now, it's like, wow, I can almost live off of this. And that was the most heartwarming mm -hmm. thing for me was like helping these indies be like, oh, I, I just use this. This is a throwaway app. I was just trying to teach myself how to code to now be like, Steve, like I can almost like live off of this and be an entrepreneur too. And I'm like, wow. So because of the 50, I had a 50 number, right? And I was like, okay, we definitely did that for 50. Now, I do think that maybe mm -hmm. 25, this is just my guess. I was like, I don't have data to support this, but I think 25 downloads a day, you have enough. And mm -hmm. so one other person who just, we didn't even work together. He just watched all the free content on our YouTube channel mm -hmm. at masters.com slash YouTube, a little plug there. But he then emailed me out of the blue and said, Steve, I've gone to 4X my revenue. And I was yep. like, whoa, that's so cool. And I was reading, he's like, I only get 15, one, five downloads a day. And I was like, what? So it was a very niche app. It's an app that allows you to turn your audio into text, right? But he only yep. gets 15 downloads a day. And he went to a longer, he did a couple of different tests, definitely a longer pricing page, tried out lifetime offers too. And that's when his revenues really took off. And you can see his downloads. He shares all this data, by the way. It's a live yeah, stream that yeah, we did. Yeah. And so he shares all this data, the download numbers, the revenue numbers, the revenue breakdown. And I was like, thank you so much for sharing all this, man. But like, you can see the downloads haven't increased much, but his revenues just consistently keep going up. And so it's like, that's why I'm like, if you have 15 a day, I have one case study. I know it's only one sample size is small, <laughs> but like you don't need a lot more. You can fix the product. So don't always yeah. think more downloads because that's what most people do. It sounds the way you said that some of them have added features and that kind of stuff. But at other time, it was also just fixing like the paywall and the onboarding flows and those kind of things, like not necessarily big feature add in the product. Am I correct or? Yes, yes. So I'm so glad you mentioned this. Stop adding more features. You don't need more features, right? Like it's not a feature problem because I think that's what developers do. You guys can build features yes. so easily that you're like, oh, if I could just build this one feature, I feel more confident about charging that audience, blah, 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 right? All these excuses we make up for ourselves and you need somebody. I fall in this trap too. So I'm guilty of this. Like I undervalue myself. I probably underprice myself, all this stuff, but you need somebody to tell you to push you towards this. And I want to be that person for the audience. So stop building more features. You don't need that. That 17X product, I'll tell you exactly what we did. So he was just relying on remove ads. That's it, right? It was a geometry calculator app. It shows you different formulas for different things that you want to figure out from geometry, like an area or perimeter. I'm just doing basic stuff, but it's more advanced, right? So I said, yeah. hey, I think you're giving away too much free content. Why don't we lock up some things, all right? So I was like, let's lock up some of these formulas. Let's say there's a list of 15. Let's lock up like mm -hmm. eight, for example. I was like, let's lock up eight and then let's have three. Now, when it comes to purchasing, there's tons of books about this. People want options, but people don't want too many options. Give them too many options, they don't know how to decide. But you want to give them some options so that they feel in control. 
with the remove ads, all you're saying is you want to buy or you want to go. Most times we don't want to spend money. So we're going to go, right? So I said, let's do three in-app purchases. One, because now we're locking things. We're going to do a pro version. We're going to do a remove ads, keep that the norm. And then we're going to do everything, the all-inclusive. So now we can then show them where's the value. You can remove ads on 199. You can go pro version 199, or you can do both for 299. Now, oh, I've suckered you in, right? Like, it's like, I know where the value is. <laughs> and so that's all we did to that particular product. And 50 downloads a day went from instantly when you released it in the app store, $1 a day to then $17 a day. And then we ran this campaign that I still love to this day. I rebranded it to an app advice campaign. So back in the day, people would only do paid apps. And that's what that's how I made my money was through paid apps. But mm -hmm. you can make a paid app go free and you get apps gone free and you get published on this website called App Advice. And so with free apps, what you have to do is do a free in-app purchase. So what we did for that app was because the policies within App Advice, you can't have any ads in your app. And so we have to make the remove ads for free. So what we did was we made that remove ads for free. And then we mm -hmm. drove, I think it was like 17 or 1,000 downloads, 10,000 downloads plus, okay? Typically, you probably get a couple of thousand. We drove a pretty good number of downloads. And then something kicked in with the ASO that he went from 50 downloads a day to 200 downloads a day. And then went from $17 a day to $100 a day, right? So it doesn't always work, but that's how I like mm -hmm. to do these campaigns. When developers ask like, hey, Steve, you know, what's a campaign I can run, get thousands of downloads without spending any money? I always point to this. And I've been running this campaign, Olivier, for five, six, seven years, like as long as I could possibly remember, it still works. And so with in-app purchases, remove ads, or you can even do the pro version for free. You actually get more conversions too. Like for games, if you do a remove ads, people end up buying coins and stuff. That's what I've noticed whenever I run this type of campaign. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing for a subscription-based app, you will have to do a 30-day free trial on one of your subscription plans. That's how you can run it for a subscription-based app. But it works. It still drives. The worst I've done for this campaign is probably 800 downloads. A few hundred downloads is the worst I've done. But the best I've done is 100,000. That's only twice. And then typically we see... That, that's a, a big range. <laughs> yeah. And so typically we see 1,000. But I'm just telling you, you know, the worst yeah, case, uh, best case, and average. Yeah. Cool. Some of the advice that you give are black hat strategies. Can you give a few examples of those and explain what the risks are? Olivia, I, don't, I hope you don't mind me taking over your show a little bit, but I'm going to do this. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, so some of the black hat strategies, I discovered this black hat strategy back in 2015, where if you leave reviews with keywords that you want to target, then you can instantly increase keyword rankings. So one black hat would be buying reviews. I worked with a pretty big client. I was like, hey guys, you know, I thought I was cool. Hey, I can buy reviews for you if you need it because it's a brand new app. I'm like, nah, we got that taken care of. And I was like shocked. I was like, wait, you're a big client. <laughs> you buy reviews too? Then I was just like, oh, I got to tell everybody because I want an even playing field for a lot of my startup and indie mm -hmm. app developers, right? Like, yo, a lot of people are buying reviews. So be careful, right? Of all these black hat strategies, legal disclaimer, I'm not recommending it. I'm not saying I use these strategies ever. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, hey, this is what I've seen in the app space other people doing. Now, be careful with the reviews. I haven't seen a huge impact, but you want some reviews, right? Especially if you have bad reviews, you want some reviews. Now, the other thing that we've talked about before that I've heard works pretty well too is the motivated traffic or keyword installs. So this is where it was very valuable in 2017. But essentially, mm -hmm. you buy traffic downloads with a given keyword. So if we wanted to target, I don't know, app marketing, right? 
as an example, there's no app mm-hmm. out there, but I say, hey, I want to target app marketing. I then push, let's say, 100 downloads for that term. And what essentially happens is it hijacks the algorithm, kind of like Google SEO, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, people yep. search for this and download your app. So there, there must be some relevancy between these two, this term and this app. And so it hijacks mm-hmm. the algorithm to then help you get better rankings. And that is a strategy that I've heard works pretty well today still, is keyword installs, people call it motivated traffic, yeah. those type of campaigns. So you have a very data-driven approach, as we've talked about, to optimizing an app for retention. Are there tools that you use and recommend to others to do the same? Yeah, I think for retention, here's what I think about it. So again, counterintuitive. People who pay, pay attention. So I think, yeah, I don't have data to back this up, but I kind of do in a way. But in that you want to focus on conversions, that drives retention, especially for a subscription-based app. If you're a game, it's quite opposite. It's what you normally think. You want to have high retention, that's going to drive your monetization. That's the game format. But if you're a subscription-based app, like a meditation app or whatever it is, mm-hmm. monetization is going to drive retention. So I think about all the best practices we talked about, trying to get them to subscribe first, because that's actually going to help your retention. And we've seen clients where, you know, we can even go into the data, right? Because now, like one of our clients, we helped him increase his sales, sales, not conversions, by, mm-hmm. so his revenues, 420% by adding trials to his subscription offers. And then boom, like, you know, if you pay, people are going to create the Apple create invoices. So people started creating more invoices, right? Because he, what he was thinking mm-hmm. was like, no trials because you can do three invoices for free. But then I said to him like, hey, most people are buying during the onboarding process. Trials increase conversions at the trial. And now I have data that says I was right. 420% increase in conversions. Now, to answer your question directly for tools, anything like Firebase, Mixpanel, those are good in terms of like mm-hmm. really tracking. But Firebase is a great start if you are just tracking events and you just want some data. Some people have said Facebook Analytics is really good too. I don't care. Go Firebase, right? Start tracking the key areas. And the key areas that I would say you should be tracking is the onboarding screens, right? Sometimes it's too yeah. long. So I think three to five, but you can uh, you, the developer, can test that. See if you're wrong. I went with seven and it led to more. All the screens leading up to that pricing page, I want to be tracking mm-hmm. because I want to see how many people are dropping before they see my pricing page. You can get 100 downloads, but if only 10 people are seeing your pricing page, you have some problem right there. And the next thing I would be tracking is how many people are opening in my second time, right? Because there's stats out there that say, of all the people you're, who open your app for the very first time, only 25% come back. So you lose 75% of your users. They don't open <laughs> right the second the time. So I'm like, be aggressive on second open, right? As much as possible, if you can. And then, mm-hmm. you know, what are the main things that your app, what are the main functionalities within your app that you want to be tracking? So if it's creating an invoice, then see how many people create an invoice. If it's create an invoice, but you need to create a company first and then see how many people create a company. So you want that type of data just to see how many people are doing X, Y, and Z. And I'll bet you anything, if people pay, they'll do more of the activity that you want them to do. Interesting. You gave us lots of great advice and good technique and that kind of stuff. I want to go back to like the earlier days in your career. Like you started journeying to consulting for others around ASO and retention by creating your own apps and learning by doing. Can you tell us about that journey and what you learned when you were doing your own your own apps back then? Back then, I didn't know anything. <laughs> I just, <laughs> so back then, I, I don't know anything, right? And so I was just kind of like, hey, does PR work? Does this work? What does ASO? Mm-hmm. Like, what do I to do? 
So I didn't know anything. I was just really trying to learn from them. And I would just apply some of the things I learned to my own apps. And I'm like, oh, cool, this is work, right? And then, you know, people ask me this question all the time, but they're like, how much do you make from your own apps? I'm like, peanuts, right? Like maybe hundreds of dollars, <laughs> maybe if that, because I don't have time. Like I don't, I can't yeah. run three, two companies at once. I tried and I failed, both fail, right? When you try to do that. And so I'm like, look, with these of these black hat strategies I've talked about and from what I hear, so like if there's some strategy out there that I want to test, I'll test it on my own apps, especially if they might be black hat, right? I will see, hey, can I try this? And I'll try that. Or can I do this? And let me try that. So like, that's what I use my own apps for. And then one of my apps, you know, it's, I'm like looking at the data right now, Olivier, as we're talking, I'm like, wow, this could actually, I need to put lifetime value, lifetime on this because it's getting about, let's say 10 to 15 downloads a day. I'm like, that's enough where mm -hmm. I can probably easily 4X <laughs> this number as I'm talking about this other client. I'm like, if I can 4X this number mm -hmm. easily and I don't need it to be on subscription because there's no ongoing cost. So like, if I can convert more people into the lifetime offer, man, I've just doubled, like tripled mm -hmm. my sales. So I need to do that with one of my own apps. So that's what I start doing too, is like, Usually now I help clients with ideas and then they mm -hmm. implement and I try to really work with them. But, you know, I've been trying to get back into my own apps, but I just try to test other like, I would say unconventional strategies on my own apps. And then with my own apps too, like the app advice campaign, I can just show them my sales. Like, hey guys, you know, for one of my apps, it's all like in-app purchases. So like you can unlock mm -hmm. different sounds with different in-app purchases. So what I do is I make one of the sounds free. And I, what I've shared back before is like, hey guys, I got like thousands of downloads running this app advice campaign. I made this in-app purchase for free. And here's the revenue increase I got. People end up do buying the other packs because I made one of the packs for free. So that I can do with my own apps is just be very transparent with the numbers and the revenue and all that stuff. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. Those were all the questions I had for you today. If people want to follow up with you, learn more about what you do, who you are, where can they find you? You can go to appmasters.com is the website, but I would just go encourage them to go check out the YouTube stuff. There's a lot of great content. We go live every Friday mm -hmm. too on YouTube at 9 a.m. Pacific time. That's California time. And if you want us to take a look at your app on YouTube, you can fill out a form and you get all the details on app advice. I mean, app advice, appmasters.com. <laughs> and so just go to appmasters.com or check out the YouTube by going to appmasters.com slash YouTube. Nice, nice. Well, thank you very much for coming today and answering all my questions, Steve. Livia, this was so much awesome, man. Best episode yet for you? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top Definitely 10? great Top episode. <laughs> exactly. Well, thanks, man. <laughs> cool. You're welcome. Thanks again for recording. I'll keep you posted when it comes out and hopefully we'll chat again in the future. Okay. Sounds good, man. I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye.